Have you been searching for a community that gets it? Join me, your host, Monique, as we get real about the emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual effects infertility has on its victims. Let's connect and heal together. I am one in eight, too. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Infertility and Me podcast. I am your host, Monique, and I'm so pleased that you're here with us today to speak with Miss Alia Choi. She was born and raised in Washington State and now resides in Virginia. She's 24 years old and a mom of one daughter, and she has been married for five years. After her rude awakening with polycystic ovarian syndrome, also known as PCOS, she decided enough was enough and started her journey to educate and advocate for women's health, mental health, and motherhood. Ailea has her own podcast as well, which I will leave in the show notes. And you can always find the Infertility and Me podcast website in the show notes as well. Again, I am your host, Monique, and I thank you so much for being here week after week sending me your feedback, following me on Instagram, and keeping me up to date with all things infertility, inspiration, and awareness. Thank you guys, and I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode with Miss Ailea Choi. Thank you. And so Ailea, just um, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, uh, if you're married, if you have any kids so far. Um, Yes, I have been married for five years, going on this year, and I do have a little one, you know, she just turned four, so how exciting. Right, absolutely. (laughs) So, and so yeah. what was your experience with um, PCOS? How, when were you diagnosed? I didn't get actually diagnosed until the September of 2016. So I was 21 when they finally diagnosed me and how they did it. I took it as they were trying to tell me, okay, we gave you something. Now go home and stop complaining kind of ordeal. Okay. So, and that was like your primary doctor or your OBGYN yes. that diagnosed you. Yeah. Okay. And, um, you didn't, of course, you didn't have your daughter back then, but I'm surprised that they were able to, well, they, a lot of people don't uh, find out so early as like you have with PCOS. A lot of mm-hmm. other women I talk to, a lot of them find out later on. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of damage has been done to the body, you know, up until that point. So what was your experience like with PCOS? Did it, um, well, how did it affect you as a woman, you know, getting the diagnosis and everything? So with when I found out, I kind of took it as nonchalant, like, okay, I have PCOS. And it, it finally made sense to me because, I mean, starting at the age of 13, when I first got my cycle, that's when it started. Like, it just started going downhill from there. I think I only had one good year with my cycle. And then after that, I was just experienced just complete turmoil. Mm-hmm. And once I finally got diagnosed, I kind of took it and put it on the back burner. And I honestly regret that because I almost lost my life in 2017 because of PCOS and not taking it seriously. So PCOS has really shaped me because it was just like this one thing has my life in its hands. And if I didn't act on it, learn about it, educate myself or anything like that, I would not be sitting here to this day to talk to you about it. Wow. Wow. And you say that you almost um, could have lost your life or you almost Mm -hmm. did lose your life. How did that, that, how did that transpire uh, exactly? Was there an incident where you got sick? mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was the problem is I would go on cycles and bleed for months and months and months at a time. And it would not be no light period. It'd be like heavy flow, like murder scene kind of situation. And you're just like, 
slowly losing out of control with your iron and I was critically low. The national average of healthy is about 18 and above. Mm -hmm. I was at a seven. Oh, wow. Um, I was critically low. And at that time I had dropped down to a five, which is like, you need to get a blood transfusion right now kind of ordeal. But the hospital kept sending me home. They're just like, Hey, go home. Hey, go home. Like, there's nothing we can do for you. The emergency room were like, well, you need to follow up with your doctors. And I'm like, I have. And they kept sending me home or putting me on different type of birth control that was not working anything. It was working with PCOS to keep me going on my cycle. And, you know, when I finally kind of went to that emergency room that last time, they said, hey, you ruptured a cyst, you know, and this cyst was mega huge. And I'm like, is that normal? They're like, well, you know, I guess you know, so go home, you'll be all right, go see your follow-up with your primary care, and at the time, I had switched my doctor to someone new, because the last doctor, he was fresh out of medical school, he barely knew about PCOS, and he wasn't taking me seriously, and just that weekend, I wasn't feeling good, I almost passed out, and when I finally went to go see my doctor, he was like, hey, you know, he was reading my blood pressure, he took my vital signs, he was like, oh my god, you're about to pass out on me. He was like, you're critically low. Like, this is like a major ordeal. So he stopped my appointment, got me hooked up on fluids, gave me medicine to kind of get myself going and get my mm -hmm. body going. But he was like, if you never came and saw me, you would have died. Wow. And that really hurt me because it's like, I have a newborn and <laughs> my husband's yeah. deployed. So it was just, it, it's rough. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, did you have family to help you and everything? How was your recovery? So my recovery was, luckily, my sister was in town to help. Mm -hmm. But, you know, she kind of helped for, like, her, like, her duties as an aunt. But the mainly the healing process was on me, you know, on me to get my mental rights, keep, you know, pushing to find ways to better my iron. And my doctor started working with me and was like, hey, this is what we're going to do to kind of help you keep going. And that's kind of how the process kind of went for me. But it was definitely a lonely process because no one could understand how okay. I felt. Okay. So. Yeah, I understand that. And, mm -hmm. and um, have they ever expressed to you that they feel like you may have issues later on with if you decide to have a second baby or anything like that? Absolutely. I currently am struggling to have a second child. My daughter, like I stated before, she's four. Right. And, you know, it, it sucks. It is like I make false hormones when I have cysts. So it makes it look like I have a false positive. Mm. And which is heartbreaking because, you know, getting ready, excited. I took a pregnancy test. It said, came back positive. I was like, oh my goodness, we finally did it. And just to come back a week or so later and it was nothing there. And my doctor had explained to me, when you have a cyst flare up, you prone to, you know, capped all of the pregnancy hormones in that cyst and it can come off as you're pregnant. So, wow. you know, unfortunately we get a lot of false positives and I'm no longer allowed to use home pregnancy tests because I make false positives. So you always have to get a blood test then? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. How long have you guys been trying for a second? We've been trying collectively for about three years. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. And um, have you, are they giving you Clomid or any kind of fertility treatment drugs? No. And this is the sad part of it. Because my husband's in the service, the army and the military across the board have 
weight restrictions. And if you're at a certain weight, they will refuse to give you help. So while I get to see my fellow counterparts who are a little bit bigger than me getting help from the state side and the civilian side, I have to pretty much go through extra more hoops to even phantom of them giving me anything. Okay. Oh, okay. I didn't, I never knew that dynamic. I know a couple mm-hmm. of people who are on me wise, but I never knew the dynamic. I guess, you know, I don't get nobody's mm-hmm. business like that, but yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So I wouldn't know anyway. Wow. That is interesting. And that's, um, I can only imagine how you feel because yeah, that's a lot. That's a yeah. lot to deal with. That's a lot to deal with. Have you found, have you been able to found, find community uh, with any of the other army wives? Have you ever known anybody else to go through infertility issues or fertility issues? I think I've only like heard them on social media. I've never really connected with anybody who was kind of struggling where I'm at. They were mostly able to get pregnant when they wanted to. They didn't have that common PCOS ground, but I've heard of other women in the service who were able to be successful with their infertility. Yeah. Yeah. And you were, you had your, your daughter naturally, right? You didn't have any. Yes, exactly. Okay. Okay. How was your pregnancy with her? With your it was, less? it was terrible. Um, it was terrible. And that's the sucky part is that I've already spoke to my specialist team who will be watching me when it's my time to get pregnant again. Mm-hmm. They're pretty much, I'm prone to having preterm labor issues. Um, like with her, like I was high risk at 20 weeks and I went into preterm labor twice with her. And luckily we were successful in having her actually at 38 weeks, which is a blessing. But I had to go through surgery at seven weeks with a life or death situation between her or my ovary because we had to remove the cyst that I was having because it was causing me more complications. So did they remove your, um, your ovary or, did, or were they were able to save it? So they were able to save it. They were able to remove the cyst. And um, luckily, my ovary was good and stuff. And then the next day, we found out she was still kicking. So that was kind of like a sigh of relief because we didn't know the future outcome when we had to make that decision. Got you. But yeah, so you, you carried her pretty much full term. So that's, that was, yes. yeah, that was, I know you were like, yes, God, thank you, God. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like it, it's hard and it's still hard to kind of look at that I didn't even get to enjoy my pregnancy because I was literally miserable <laughs> yeah miserable. the entire time yeah did you were you ever on bed rest or anything they absolutely restricted yeah. yeah I've imagined mm-hmm. yeah and um yeah what does I can really ask you <sighs> okay so with now trying to have a second baby and you being treated for your PCOS and things like that. And then you have to take care of your baby and all that. Mm-hmm. How has, how has the emotional side of trying for the second baby with the difficulties of PCOS, how, the, how, how, the, how has that affected you um, as an individual, not necessarily, you know, collectively as a wife, but as an individual, how has that affected you? And have you had any, um, has there been any discrimination from doctors because of you being a woman of color absolutely 
And that's kind of why I started, you know, speaking up about it because the discrimination aspect, you know, African American women and people of color are 10 times more likely to die during childbirth or any form of living under care of doctors because of that. And I have seen over 10 plus specialists within the past couple of years because of the negligence of not caring. You know, I have like three strikes against me. You know, I am a woman of color. I'm young. I'm married, you know, and I have a kid already. So those are like our instant like judgment against me. They're like, Mm -hmm. oh, you're just here just complaining, you know, you want attention pretty much. They treat you like you want attention. It's like, no, I want to live. That's what I want. Yeah, absolutely. Right. (laughs) Trying to get help. Hello. Like, right. I don't (laughs) come here if I wanted attention. I'll just go run down the street or something, you know? Right. I I have a child I'm trying to live for, you know, I already almost lost my life once. And, you know, I have even more serious complications with PCOS. I'm trying to live. I want to see her graduate. I want to see her get married or have kids or whatever she chooses I want to see that and you guys are taking it from me for not taking me seriously so collectively as myself it's it's a hard and you have to get in a right mindset to know that you got to go hard you you cannot take it easy you know it I don't care if the doctors look at you and you're like okay you're being obnoxious I don't care I'll be obnoxious until you give me what I want which is my actual right to health care I don't care what you have to do. You can go in there, guns are blazing. It's just, you have to have that nobody's got you like you mentality. Because if you don't, you can easily lose your life. Like, it's just easy because of that. Yeah, I definitely, um, I like that you pointed out um, self-advocacy and Mm -hmm. being a voice for yourself, um, especially when your husband is deployed and stuff. Mm -hmm. He's not always there to be able to directly support you, you know, in the midst of that yeah. situation at that moment. So I know how difficult, I can only imagine how difficult it must be, you know, dealing with all of this in the times when he's gone. And mm-hmm. um, as a mom, and do you feel like there were times where you were in a negative place and you, you know, there was things said or you things done, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, you had a lazy day with the baby. You didn't feel like doing anything just because you get into a depression, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I've actually spoken about it and I'm sharing it here. Um, I actually dealt with postpartum depression when I had, well, before I had my daughter, a lot of people are like, well, postpartum means after birth. Well, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you can actually develop postpartum during your pregnancy. And that's why after birth, it is more like flared up and is more intense. It actually gives you warning signs throughout your pregnancy, in which I was trying to explain to people that you can have postpartum depression or depression in general during your pregnancy. And that's what leads into postpartum depression. Um, so, but I just usually call it postpartum depression because it's easier, but um, yeah, I had to see a psychiatrist throughout my pregnancy because it was just mentally hard. I felt guilty. I felt bad. It was my fault that I couldn't carry our daughter. It was my fault. I had these problems and I always kept finding blaming for myself and I was alone because although he's there, a man can only understand to a certain extent. It's not him carrying the baby or him dealing with the problems. And, you know, you got your friend that say you're your friends but once you get pregnant or married they can't relate to you so it was just a mix of these emotions and past trauma of my childhood that just amplified that depression and I just 
could not see the brighter side in anything. I was just sad. I wanted to end my life, not because of my child. Like I wanted her to live, but I didn't want to live because I felt like it was my fault. And with that, it took a lot of out of me. It did. Yeah. And I couldn't even imagine that this was the person that I had become, but I did. But after kind of working with my psychiatrist, I think I only saw her once after sharing my story, getting it off my chest. She was like, well, I made her cry because, you know, the stories <laughs> I've been through. So yeah. she was just like, wow, like, that's not what you, wow. like, I can't believe that. But then she was just like, but you have it in you to keep going, build your confidence, believe in yourself. And once I started hearing those words, I'm like, you're right. Like it is in me. I do have this, you know, spirit in me to keep going. You know, I made it through X and Y and Z situations. Why can't I make it out of this one? Absolutely. Absolutely. And how long would you, how, when did you come to the realization that you wanted to essentially pull yourself from the trenches of depression and find a way to navigate life? and have a sense of normalcy you know because a lot of times when you mm -hmm. go through things like this you lose all sense of normalcy mm -hmm. and you become obsessed with the issue or the storm you know what I mean mm -hmm. so, so how how did you come to that realization what what was your your point of like you know what I got it this is enough your enough moment I feel like it took a while it did take a while because after I had my daughter I felt better but it was still on that horizon because then in the next following year, I'm talking about I'm about to lose my life and that put me right back. I think the day I came home finding I almost could have lost my life if I never came in, I was at my breaking period, is when my daughter at the time, she was one, she came to me and she didn't even, she doesn't even know. She didn't right. even know what was going on. She right. came to me and hugged me. And that's where I broke. And I'm just like, mm -hmm. this is what I'm doing it for you're who I'm doing it for not just for myself but for you you're like my extra push and that hug meant everything I because I felt like everybody who I have lost in my lifetime came in that moment and surrounded me and you know mm -hmm. God surrounded me and was just like this is where we're at and after being shaken down like that that's when I the next day I got up and I was like you know what no more wallowing, no more sadness, no more guiltiness. It happened. I've gone through it and I made it through it. So what can I do to improve myself? And then that's when I found my voice to share my story. And that just fueled me. Mm -hmm. And writing, podcasting, all these things are my outlet. Yeah. Outlet. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So you found kind of like you found purpose in well, coming out of the pain, you found mm -hmm. purpose in something, you know, uh, greater than, than your situation. So that's amazing. So tell me a little bit about your podcast. Uh, so my podcast, That Sister Girl, is um, about me just speaking more into topics we're afraid to talk about. Um, I talk about childhood trauma, you know, childhood abuse and all those things. And then I talk about PCOS and how it amplifies that because people think PCOS is just your ovaries. And actually, it's an endocrine hormonal disorder. So it starts from head to toe. Mm -hmm. So it does affect your mental. So okay. A situation could be small, but because PCOS is such a, you know, instigator, it amplifies it more. So learning those things, you know, I kind of compare the two and understanding about how to look at yourself in a different aspect and trying to help people see the better side to things. I know it's hard, but you have to. 
you know yeah you can't you can't be you know hung up on the situation like you got to move forward and the best way to do that is starting to become unapologetic with yourself and stop being sorry for having problems and issues and not being the normal you know thing in society like be yourself you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I, I like what you said about um you know well your podcast being Mm -hmm. a voice you know for others to connect with um especially when dealing with mental health and a lot of people I think you know they feel like women go through these things and like we're built for this but they don't really realize the emotional and mental turmoil Mm -hmm. it takes on and then for you having to have that baby to take care of afterwards Mm -hmm. I I could I could imagine that that um that that was even more difficult at times because mm-hmm. you know, pulling yourself that strength that you need to care and love on your baby, which absolutely, I did, but it, I know it took a lot for you to to be it does. To do that. Yeah. So how did mm-hmm. you cope? How did you cope when you after you had her and you were still struggling with PT uh, postpartum uh, depression and everything? It was it was hard, you know, kind of getting on a routine and kind of like okay, now that she's here what do I do? You know, like, how am I going to maneuver how to work with his schedule? Yeah. But I just feel like taking it one day at a time was better than trying to worry about next week and the next month, just being in that moment and saying, Hey, I look, I made a mistake. Maybe I didn't get the right milk out today or something like that. Just taking a moment in that day and just saying, okay, look, we make mistakes, you know, look, this is what's going to be and just kept coaching myself through it. That's yeah. what really kind of was that my inner me was coaching me through some of those hard moments. And then speaking more about it with my husband, I was like, look, like you want to have to be more of a backbone. I understand you married the military first before you met me, but I'm here now. So, you know, you have yeah. to put more into pushing me and stuff. And so he became my accountability partner. And then from there, it kind of became a routine. And then I kind of didn't need him. He was like my trading wheels, I guess you can call him. Because yeah, then I was yeah. able to do it myself. And I'm like, okay, I got this. I got this. And ever since then, it, it was coming, it was coming along. Yeah, that's awesome. And and what what ways of coping did you learn along the way, especially now with trying to have a second baby? What things are you doing to help cope with your situation and getting through it? Um, my main things is I take time off of social media. That's my biggest thing is if you're dealing with fertility problems or infertility and all that, being on social media is hard. And I think anybody can relate to that because you see another gal getting pregnant, another yeah. family getting pregnant. And it is hard because when I see that, I, I wouldn't say I get envious, but it just hurts my heart because, you know, I want that, you know, and then, you know, seeing the news and people not taking care of the kids and it just, it gets to you. So me taking time off of social media and, looking at myself and giving myself me time and realizing, look, the baby will happen. You got to make sure you're right this time around before you get pregnant. You know, you don't want to go back down postpartum. You don't want to go through the depression and all of that because the military don't play. Like they love to hold that over your head. And that was one of my, yeah. yeah, that was one of my biggest regrets about opening up to them because, and asking for help during my pregnancy at that time, because 
they hold it over your head. They're like, oh, how are you doing mentally today? And although, you know, you would think that's Mm -hmm. nice, they care, but they don't. You know, they're kind of badgering me, I felt like. Like, I look, I know I was going through a moment, but I'm not that crazy, you know? Like, it it just really affects you. So me trying to find things to do on the side that I don't go down that way. So taking time off of social media, self-care, you know, um, kind of making sure I have a safe friend, a person that I can trust outside of my husband, like a girlfriend or something, you know, just be able to converse back and forth that kind of helps me see the other side of the situation instead mm-hmm. of being mm-hmm. negative about somebody else getting pregnant and I'm not. So. Yeah. Yeah. And see, like you're, you're, you're like a veteran in this thing now because mm-hmm. you've been dealing with it for the last three years with trying to have a second baby and stuff. And mm-hmm. so it, it takes, it does take a lot of time and self-evaluation when you're in the middle of it to find ways to, you know, cope, you know, like you were saying and mm-hmm. all the tips that you were giving about, you know, finding and a lot of what I'm hearing that you do is mm-hmm. it's finding outlets, different outlets Absolutely. to release those emotions and those those hurts and those pains. So that's mm-hmm. um that's amazing. And then I love the fact that you take social media breaks and I think when I went through it I did a lot of social media breaks too because mm-hmm. it's just it's a lot, you know. It is. It's just <laughs> it's just a lot. <laughs> you know, social media is like a blessing and a curse because like you could find community on there. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, it's just so much other things that, that are going on that you, that, you, that you come across when you're on there. So it's like, if you could get on there and just look at stuff, you know, from people who are trying to conceive like you, then mm-hmm. you're good. But if you got trying to conceive and you got pregnancy coming up, you know, because the yes. algorithms is like, it's reading, trying to conceive. So it brings up pictures of pregnant people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. How to get pregnant this way and how to get pregnant yes. this way with all these special herbs and stuff like that, which is fine. But you know, we got to deal with the medical issue too, you know, absolutely. have you, have you had people do things like that when they find out that you are struggling? Do they try to, um, coerce you into using herbs or supplements and stuff? Yes. Um, I think the biggest, uh, scam right now for PCOS women is Ovestol. Um, although it has helped some people get pregnant, um, it's not really what you should use to cure your PCOS. It's not a proven fact that cures your PCOS. And it, I speak to, a, I actually have a couple of biologist friends who talk about and breaking it down. And it's not really that beneficial that you think. So they'll try to get me on this though. They want me on keto. They want me on this herb and that herb. And I'm like, look, all right now, <laughs> you do what you want to do. But um, I, I think I got it. I, I'm gonna work with it you know I think I got an avenue where I'm gonna go what works for me so it's definitely hard it really is because people think they can solve your problems for you and it's like you can't <laughs> you yeah. can't yeah yeah and I don't I'm not against supplements or anything mm-hmm. like that but I feel like when you're in the midst of fertility issues and infertility mm-hmm. because of a medical condition yeah. it makes you feel more vulnerable because you're like freaking, I got this freaking condition or this disease, you know, mm-hmm. or I had hyster- a hysterectomy or loss of teeth, you know, and so mm-hmm. the, the herbs are, are great. I love herbs. Yeah, absolutely. But it cannot be the, the be all end all, you know, in a situation yeah. like that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. No, I, no, I agree with you, you know, because that's another thing about PCOS is hysterectomy, you know, um, I tell a lot of people do not follow behind that trap that your doctor sell to you telling you, you will get cured. If you got a hysterectomy, you won't, <laughs> you won't. 
Um, I've done enough research. I've spoken to enough specialists and they have all said the same thing that it will help with your period, but it won't cure you because PCOS is incurable. It's treatable, but it's incurable. You know, you won't never get rid of it. It will always be a part of you, but you can go through life without the symptoms, you know, depending on how you change your diet. You know, there's just so much about it, the misconceptions of it. Yeah, so I like that educational piece you just gave us about mm -hmm. um, for those who may be um, considering a hysterectomy. So mm -hmm. I, I know a little bit about PCOS, but not in depth. Mm -hmm. And so with PCOS, the, it affects your hormones as well, like your endocrine system and everything, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, that's yes. what I thought. So yeah, so taking the, the and I don't want to say this to offend anyone oh, that may mm -hmm. be listening, but to get a hysterectomy would kind of be like counterproductive to treating the hormones mm -hmm. because the female system works together with all those things, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's what I'm, yeah, I'm just trying to piece it together, you know what I mean? No, 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 perfect. No, that's perfectly what it is. You know, people think if you remove the ovary part, you know, you're good and it's not that. You'll stop bleeding, all right, but you can still get facial hair, you'll still get weight gain and other complications, you know, you still lose your hair like I have, you know, I've shaved my hair completely bald because of it. It's kind of like a cancer in a sense, you know, I hate to compare that to it, but it's kind of like that. It attacks you from head to toe, no matter what you do. <laughs> but, you know, some people need, oh, excuse me. <clears throat> Some people have to understand that there's different subdivisions of having PCOS. There's people who have full-blown PCOS and there's people who have mild symptoms. And that's where people get confused at. So if someone tells you they cured it, that's because they had mild symptoms of it. So a little bit of irregularness and all those other things. So that's easy to fix, but they haven't fully got rid of it. It's still in the system, but you kind of put it away. You know, you got it in check. So... That's another uh -huh. misconception of it. Yeah. I knew about the facial hair and, you know, body hair growth and different, mm -hmm. you know, parts of the body and stuff with it affecting the hormones in that way. Um, did you suffer a lot of hair loss? Is that why you completely went um, very short with your haircut? Um, yeah. I, like, still to this day, I still have a lot of bald patches that never came back. Like, I mean, shade bald, I'm Mr. Clean. I was Mr. Clean a couple of years ago, like completely. I was at a breaking point. I had a Britney Spears moment. I was chopping it off. My husband came in the room like, are you okay? I was like, no, just take it off. I'm losing it. What's the point? So he helped me mm -hmm. shave it all the way off. And he was wow. like, I still love you even more. And that was another great moment for me was going completely bald because in the people of color community we are about our hair yeah hair means status it's everything girl exactly <laughs> yeah so when i shaved it off i was so petrified but then i started going out in public with my bald head i didn't care to hide it i didn't care to put a baseball cap on nothing you see my baldness i'm bald i'm a bald-headed person right now and, you know, people would look at me like I had a disease or something, or they thought I had cancer probably. And I just didn't care. And then that's when I started, I was like, look, I'm more than just my hair. You know, I'm more than just what society wants me to be. You know, I'm beautiful if I'm bald. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that was kind of another great moment with that. But yes, I lost quite a bit of hair, the facial hair, the acne scars, the weight gain. I found out I had fatty liver disease and actually um i made that connection that pcos does cause fatty liver disease um i also have a heart condition now um 
because of PCOS. And like I said, the list goes on. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a, that's a lot. Um, but you're uh, talk, talking about it is, mm-hmm. is exactly what we need this day and age with so many other, with so many, not other, but so many negative things happening around us. Mm-hmm. Positive, you know, stories of overcoming in, in the middle of overcoming. And I feel like even though you're suffering from it, you've overcome mm-hmm. it in a way because you are mentally, emotionally, and spiritually in a place where mm-hmm. you are just living your best life the best way you can <laughs> with the disorder. You know what I mean? Like, right. And Absolutely. Not, <laughs> and you're not like completely in this broken place anymore. So mm-hmm. I think success in in coming to peace with things is is it has many faces. It doesn't mean that you you are cured from your condition. It just means mm-hmm. you go through it in a way that is um and that is that is uh, not harmful to yourself or to your family and such. And it's amazing that your husband is so supportive and um, he's, he cares for you when he's home and stuff like that the way he does. It sounds like he has, has really been a rock for you. And Absolutely. so has, a, has your experiences made you guys come closer together as a couple and learn new things about each other? And has it opened up a new level of communication for you guys, I should say? Because, you know, it gets pretty intimate mm-hmm. with medical condition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it was kind of hard at first because, you know, he is of a different race. So coming into, you know, you know, my culture and like how I'm dealing with things, these health problems, he was kind of shook. He was like, wait, so this is what it like, this is, you know, you have to deal with these problems. Like, wait a minute. Like it kind of threw him for a loop. But then as time got, you know, went on, he started to learn more about me and started to learn how to love me and kind of go about, you know, certain subjects, you know, if I'm having a moment, he'll like, okay, I'll go take the daughter, you know, out somewhere, go do something, you know, have a moment to yourself. You know, he Mm -hmm. always encourages me time when he's home because I don't get that often. I'm 24 seven mom. So, you know, and I feel like him and I, we've gotten closer even more because I think it scared him to know that you're on a deployment just to come back home and realize you could have came home to no life. You know, and yeah, I think that yeah. was kind of was like, okay, you know, let me be there. So like when he comes to the appointments, like he plays no games. He was like, okay, so what does this mean? Okay, what else are you telling? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. thank you, get them, get them, because they're being mean to me. You know, so yeah. it was just like that's kind of how our relationship is. He's always been my partner in crime because he knows I support him and what he does for our country. And so he always knows to come back and give that back into how I feel about our health. So it's definitely gotten better. And I feel like, you know, we don't have that cultural barrier anymore being in an interracial marriage. Okay. So I okay. feel like that has improved. Oh, that's amazing. That's great. And uh, mm-hmm. I really love the fact that he allows you that space that you need to, you know, for your adult mm-hmm. mom, you know, because being a stay-at-home mom is like, that's a job that nobody mm-hmm. can ever describe. That's, it's hard yeah. work, you know, and, um, and that's important, especially with you having a medical condition, you know, getting that alone time to process and so you can come back and be mm-hmm. the best mother and wife that you can be and, and be the best version of yourself, you know. Um, Absolutely. So that's amazing. And uh, I applaud him for that. And all the husbands out there supporting their wives mm-hmm. and all the yes. gay and lesbian <laughs> couples, everybody, you know, supporting yourself yes. in medical conditions. That's um yeah, that's that's amazing. I thank you so much, Aaliyah, for coming on today. Absolutely. And sharing your journey and and giving us your infertility fertility advocacy and your PCOS PCOS advocacy and awareness. Um, it's so interesting to me to hear about the different conditions and how it affects the body. 
um, I've always been kind of nerdy when it comes to science. Stuff, so <laughs> it's really yeah. to me. Because uh, you know, you, one person might, mm-hmm. you know, if it affects one person differently from the other person. So right. It's always interesting to hear everybody else's journeys and such. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, I thank you again for being a voice for everybody in pain and, 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 and talking with me today and, and sharing your journey. I, I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It feels great to kind of continue on sharing my advocacy. And, you know, I give credit to you for having another platform to speak about these topics, you know, so I appreciate you as well. So thank you so much. Thank you, love. And I'm going to have Aliyah's social media handles in the show notes so that everybody can connect with her and her journey with advocacy for mental health. And uh, thank you guys for tuning in.